This is a little spicy of a question. Did you have any fun on this effort at all? You're barely sleeping. You're not even eating. You're passing all these beautiful areas. You're miserable 85, 90% of the time. Where's the joy in that? During this effort, was any part of it fun at all? 85 to 90% of this effort was like, I wanted to quit. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I'm a huge hiking nerd, and every single week on this podcast, I chat with other hiking nerds about their experiences on the trail. Will Peterson is the amazing guest on the show this week. Will recently set the unsupported fastest known time on the Vermont Long Trail. We talk all about that, and we talk about if it's even worth it. Like, is something like that even fun? Why even bother doing it? You can't even enjoy it. Not only is Will a ultra runner and record setter, but he's also just a backpacker. He's hiked the Appalachian Trail the entire thing. He's super awesome, and you guys are really going to enjoy this one, especially if you can get past the fact that my brain was running at about half speed for this episode. But regardless, let's get into it. And actually, before we do, the show is totally free, but... Your admission is going to be to smash that subscribe button if you're watching this on YouTube. We gotta pump those numbers up, and if you're listening on audio, you gotta leave a five-star review for the show. I read every single review. I appreciate them, and once again, it's totally free. It's the best way to help the show. Go leave a five-star review. I wanna get Spotify and Apple each up to 1,000 five-star reviews each. Let's do it. Let's get into the episode with Will Peterson. Here we go. So we're going to be talking about your unsupported long trail, uh, fastest known time. Absolutely insane. I want to start off by just saying, though I'm not a... I never know what the right... I want to say FK tier, but that just sounds stupid. Fastest <laughs> known timer. Like, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? I'm not I mean a, it is, I'm not it's a, a pretty ridiculous sport. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but I mean, yeah, um, I'm not a runner, first of all, an ultra runner, uh, just to get that out there in case there's some new people listening. Uh, they already realized that, <laughs> I think, by <laughs> now, but um, in case you hadn't, uh, this is a little bit outside of my wheelhouse, but I am a, a backpacker and a through hiker, and I'm also from Vermont, and so the long trail is the trail that I started you know, getting into the outdoors uh, by going on. And I know that trail better than any trail in the entire world. Um, it's just, it's one of my favorite places in the world. And so I know it super well. And so when I heard what Will did, even though I don't know a lot about FKTs and running and in these types of efforts, I was, I was still just blown away because that trail is not easy. I think that's another important thing to get out there too, is this is, this is a hard trail, everybody, and I just think that needs to be known. Um, and congrats, Will, by the way. I should have said that before we started recording, actually. <laughs> Absolutely insane. But this wasn't even your first FKT, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's FKTs come in all shapes and sizes, and like some of them are relatively meaningless. Uh, I'd say there there are three that I've done that I am that I'm proud of, which are the the unsupported New Hampshire 48, the supported New Hampshire 48, and the Long Trail this summer. And can you just briefly explain what the difference is between like unsupported, supported, self-supported? That terminology, just because a lot of people listening aren't yes. going to be super familiar with that. For sure. So in in the FKT space, yeah, there's three categories: supported, self-supported, unsupported. 
uh, the the supported category means you can have any support you can imagine except for someone physically carrying you or pushing you. So you can have, uh, you know, people um, carrying all your supplies. You can have pacers. Uh, in the case of the supported New Hampshire 48, you can have someone drive you from trailhead to trailhead, although that's that's not the case for all routes. Um, and um, so that's supported. Self-supported means it's sort of this weird middle ground. It was originally created for l- trails that are too long to do unsupported. So I guess I'll, I'll explain unsupported first. Unsupported is you start with everything you need, um, gear, food. The only thing you pick up along the way is water from natural sources. Um, and then self-supported is this like middle ground where you, you, uh, you can't have pacers, you can't have support really, but you can, um, you can resupply along the way. You can like stash things for yourself. So it's essentially made for trails like the Appalachian trail or the PCT that are just too long to do unsupported. Cause you're not gonna be able to carry a month and a half worth of food from the start. Maybe someday. <laughs> Probably. <not laughs> Maybe, oh, well, there's this guy <laughs> named Art Brody last year who hiked the Arizona Trail unsupported. He oh, started really? with 28 days of food. His so that's, pack weighed like what, 110 like, pounds. Oh, my God. That's like 800-ish <laughs> miles, right? Yeah. Damn. It's crazy. I mean, maybe maybe someday if like if we can somehow invent just like a pill that you could take that just gives <laughs> you like 2,000 calories right there and then... I don't know. I mean, that's pretty much the only limiting factor, I guess, is the food. But <laughs> yeah, totally. probably probably not in our lifetime. But who knows? Probably Maybe not. Will will be, be the incredible. First one. Yeah, probably not. Good. <laughs> so supported and unsupported records in New Hampshire, and also, I just said this about the Long Trail, but also for those that aren't familiar, the White Mountains in New Hampshire, uh, the forty-eight we're referring to are forty-eight peaks that are above four thousand feet. Well they're supposed to be anyways um (laughs) and they're extremely rugged extremely difficult stuff uh just like the long trail in fact probably even a step up uh it's a little subjective but extremely difficult stuff and so will's achievements on on the long trail and the white mountains it's 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 crazy to me it's absolutely insane but um do do you still hold both those records in new hampshire or have they been broken so the the unsupported one still stands right now. The supported one has been broken twice. Broken twice. Okay. I, I I'm gonna have a hard time phrasing this question, but one thing I wanted to ask you was just how it felt to have your record broken. Because what little I do know about the again, I I don't know what's the best way to describe this community. I don't want to say the FKT community. Is that right? The ultra running community? I don't know. What what would you call it? Yeah, it's like non-sanctioned ultras, I guess. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's really the FKT community. <laughs> okay, FKT. I just, I, I just feel like a moron when I say that for some reason. But I guess... <laughs> F, so the people in the FKT community, it seems like very tight-knit and like quite supportive, but it's also very competitive at the same time. Mm. And so I'm, I'm curious, yeah, what it feels like to have a record that you obviously put a ton into broken if you're like happy to see like a new a new um limit reached by somebody else in these mountains that you love so much mm-hmm. or whether you're like kind of pissed that someone broke it or both like how, i don't know how does that feel yeah it was it was a new experience for me it wasn't like so i set this unsupported in 2020 and it's held since then so i was kind of spoiled by the fact that no one had had been able to break it the supported one 
I set in 2022, like so last summer, and then uh, so and then someone came along and broke it three weeks later, which oh. was just like uh, so that that was a really tough pill to swallow for me. Um, because I, you know, I'd I'd been working on the supported forty eight for a couple of years, and to see it go so quickly was was tough, especially because the later. the record, yeah, especially because the record before me stood for eight years. <laughs> wow! So I was like, wow, oh yeah, this will probably stand for a while. Nope. <laughs> Damn, dude! Three yeah. weeks later. Oh, dude, that's that sucks. So the first person who broke it was was Alyssa Gadeski. She's a she's a uh, she, she's sort of a, a a staple of the ultra community up here. She holds the the women's record on the forty eight, the Adirondack forty six, and the long trail. Um, and yeah, so it it was tough. But then this summer, I got to my friend Bill Tid um, was the person who who broke it this summer, and I got to support him for about a third of that effort. So. Uh, that that was a very cool like full circle moment for me, and I got to sort of say goodbye to the root a little bit. Yeah. So let me ask you a spicy question: If your record hadn't been broken by what was what was her name again? Sorry, Alyssa Gadeski. Okay. If if she hadn't broken your record three weeks later, and it still stood by the time Bill Tid went to break it, would you have still supported him? Oh, a hundred percent. So Bill. If you if you want to talk to someone truly inspiring, Bill Tidd, he's he is sixty years old and he currently holds the New Hampshire forty eight record. He wow. did it in like three days, five hours. Yeah, he's I think you told me I should have him on the show, or didn't didn't you? In one I, of my, I, did, like, I definitely Instagram sent you some suggestions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's just like most humble guy ever. He probably wouldn't even come on the pod if you asked him to, but he's just he's he's such a good friend and he was a he was a he's been a huge mentor to me for the last few years. And yeah, I mean I I've I, I would I would help him on whatever project he wants me to help him on. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I kind of wanted to ask you about how it felt to have the record broken because I don't know, it's like I've heard of this before too where like someone will literally support and pace someone else attempting to break their record and like that's just it's like it just seems like there's a a mix of like super competitiveness obviously but also just like support, I guess, which it seems like it's kind of, in my observation anyway, it seems like it's kind of unique to this FKT community, which is, it's cool. And it's kind of hard to just like describe it exactly. I don't know. Um, but it's interesting. Now, going on to the long trail, Will, when did you first get the idea that you could maybe you know, go for the unsupported record here. And when did you actually like fully commit to it? Sure. So I, after the 48, I like didn't after, you know, the, the support of 48, I didn't really know what the next step was for me. I didn't really enjoy the Vermont section of the AT very much when, when I through hiked. So I just, the long trail wasn't really on my radar um, but then I, you know, I, I moved from, from Boston to, uh, to White River Junction, Vermont, which for people who don't know, it's sort of like Eastern Vermont. Uh, and I, um, started running on a lot of the trails around here. I guess this was, this was in the fall of last year. Um, okay. so, t- uh, so I, I started running on a bunch of the trails around here and, um, really started to fall in love with it. Like, I, I think I just had really shitty weather when I went through <laughs> Vermont on the AT. 
Um, but I, so, and then it, it sort of developed from there. I was like, wow, I really love these trails. And there's this huge, like big name trail sitting right there. And I don't think that the record for that is out of my reach. Um, so that was sort of where it started. I think, mm-hmm. I think by like, no, probably about a year ago is where I like fully committed to it. Yeah. Okay. And so on one hand, actually, what was your time exactly? I probably should ask you that earlier. That is four days, 11 hours and 34 minutes. And how, or what was the previous time before that? Like what, what did you, uh, improve upon? So yeah, uh, the, the, technically the unsupported record before that was just about six days. Um, but there was, there was sort of, there was sort of a caveat, like, um, a, a guy named Joe McConaughey did it mostly unsupported, but he, he like messed up a little bit. So his, again, back to these very ridiculous, like self-made categories in this sport, his effort got shifted to self-supported. So his, his was just about five days exactly. And so I really felt like if I was going to go for the unsupported, I needed to go for his because it was unsupported in most ways. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you really like, you really kind of knocked it out of the park. Like you, you really like, uh, I don't know. It's insane to me, dude. Like just knowing this trail and like knowing how difficult it is. And like also knowing a little bit about what happened on your, on your effort, which we'll, we'll get into and some of the, the hardships. It's just super impressive to me. Uh, absolutely insane. But, um, anyways, so when, when some people hear this crazy time, they might think like, Oh, you just people that aren't, um, you know, super up to date on this stuff anyways, might assume that you kind of just are an athlete and you just go out there and you just send it and you crush it. But I happen Mm. to know that's not really what happened. I know that you put a lot into not just the physical training, but you know, recon on the exact route itself. Um, Mm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I know you just went and straight up through hiked the long trail shortly before your, uh, your effort. Yeah, for sure. Well, this this is a fun point for me. Is like I don't really attack these efforts like an ultra runner because I I don't consider myself an ultra runner. Like I I didn't run long distance in high school or college or anything. Like I I I fell in love with the outdoors through backpacking. And so when I'm attempting one of these efforts, I'm I'm looking at it from a backpacking perspective. Like how can I optimize gear? How can I optimize like the trail? Like where, where the shelters, water sources. And so, uh, I had some time this summer and I thought, you know, I, I want to race this summer, but I also want to have the, the classic backpacking experience. So why not just go out, hike the long trail, take really detailed notes on all of the things that could be useful for me on a speed effort and then come back later in the summer once I'm recovered, uh, from the, from the first through hike and then and then send it. So that was that. And, you know, yeah, it was, I was, I was training 10 to 12 hours a week, pretty much from November to when I did it. So Mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of training, a lot of buildup. Yeah. How about that folks? While Will is certainly an ultra runner, he also considers himself to just be a normal backpacker as well, which is really cool because that's what I am. I'm guessing that's what you are too. And speaking of backpacking, if we're going to do that, We're going to need some gear, aren't we? And that's where the sponsor of this episode, Garage Grown Gear, 
comes in. There is so many cool ultralight gear companies out there and it seems like more and more are starting up every single day and they're just super hard to keep track of. Garage Grown Gear absolutely rules because they allow you to browse and buy from tons of these different small cottage ultralight gear companies from just one single website. From well-known companies like Z-Packs, Hyperlight Mountain Gear, Gossamer Gear, all the way down to companies that most of you have probably never even heard of, like Mayfly Ultralight Equipment. Although if you watched my episode with Lloyd Vogel from Garage Grown Gear, you probably have heard of them by now. Garage Grown Gear is your one-stop shop for all things related to ultralight and cottage brand gear. And right now they're having a massive Black Friday slash Cyber Monday sale on their website. You're gonna find things 10%, 20%, even potentially 25% off. So you're gonna wanna head to garagegrowngear.com and you're gonna wanna do it as soon as possible because this sale ends Monday, November 27th. So you basically just have the rest of the weekend. Oh, and by the way, guys, I'm gonna give you a little tip. If you subscribe to their newsletter, not only are you gonna get kept in the loop for all the new products and new companies, many of which you've probably never heard of that Garage Grown Gear is selling, but you're also gonna get 10% off your first purchase. So what are you waiting for, dude? One more time, garagegrowngear.com. You don't wanna miss this sale. And all right, let's get back to the episode. Okay, I wanna talk about these notes real quick. I'm really curious about this. Mm -hmm. You said you're taking really detailed notes on your, your through hike. Actually, first of all, how long did that first through hike take you? And, and then after that, can you just talk about like what what are you taking notes on are you taking notes on like your what you think you can do in terms of like time on each section is it details about the actual trail itself like i'm really curious about this sure so the the first one um i think it was i think it was 12 days which i i recognize is not like a lot of people's i was gonna say it's like a leisurely hike yeah <laughs> i i would say Two weeks, anything like two weeks or under on the long trail is pretty, pretty damn impressive, even like just over two weeks. And so, yeah, that's, that's still a really, really fast through hike. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, but it was a lot of fun. Like I got to take all the the spurs and the, and the lookout points and everything, at least the ones I could see, it was really rainy this summer, but, um, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We'll get into that too. Cause I know that affected your your fkt as well yeah it's interesting okay so the 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 note so they were voice memos and basically i had before i went out i went on the 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 far out app and looked like basically split the trail up into into a bunch of different really short segments like three to five mile segments and then while i was on the trail each time i got to one of those checkpoints i would open a voice memo and be like okay this is like i just did this section this is how long my watch says it is. This is how much vertical my watch says it has. Here are the water sources. Are they reliable? Yes or no. Um, and what do I think I could do for pace on this? Um, and so I was just sort of building that out along the way. Um, oh, I was also like, you know, looking at shelters and seeing like, oh, this shelters, this shelter says it's point one off the trail, but it's a far point one. Like I probably don't want to go there. Um, stuff like that. And then mm, once okay. I was done that through hike, I took all those voice memos and wrote them out into a spreadsheet. And then from that spreadsheet made little index cards that I carried with me on the, on the actual effort so that I could, oh, you wow. know, yeah. So I, I had like, I knew where I needed to be 
in terms of like timing and time of day for pretty much every step of the of the effort. It was it was a little bit extra, but it worked out really well. Well, yeah, I was gonna say it sounds extra, but the results speak for themselves, dude. Um, dude, I have so many questions. Like, <sighs> okay, first of all, just the tech person in me. Don't tell me that you transcribed all of these these voice memos by <laughs> like manually. Please tell me you use some sort of software to do that. Uh, absolutely not. I don't know how any of that works. <laughs> oh well. Oh, you could have saved yourself so much time. Anyways, um, <laughs> give me a give me a call next time, dude. I'll help you out. No. Um, okay. So, where do we start, dude? Let's just get into the damn effort. I mean, you start off. How's how's that first day? I guess we could almost just go day by day here. Um, sure. How's the first day? How are you feeling even at the very beginning? Um, and then like, how are you feeling at the end of that first day? Yeah. So again, big, big thing this summer was the rain. So like at the start line, I was pretty concerned about how, how wet the trail was going to be. Cause that Northern part of the trail is like, if it's wet in that Northern part of the trail, it's really wet. Like the, the yeah. foliage sort of, it's, it's a pretty, like it's maintained, but it, it's pretty, the, the trail is pretty grown over. So you're just it's, walking through wet bushes if it's if it's wet. Yeah, and also, I, and I can't remember if we said this already. We we probably did, but just as a reminder, if not, uh, Will went southbound on this on this yeah, uh, correct. effort. Important distinction. Um, so yeah, first day um, ended up being a lot lot better than I anticipated it would be. Like there, it was it was wet, but it wasn't really really wet. Um, sort of, um, sort of trying to stay like very, um, very cool and very, um, I guess even like, I didn't want to burn myself out too hard. I was trying to, trying to maintain, uh, consistency on the climbing and just like, I, all of my paces I thought were pretty conservative. Okay. Uh, But how many miles did you cover this first day? Um, I want to say, I, again, I started at 7 a.m., which wasn't super early, so I think it was in the high 40s. High 40s. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to I wanted to pace myself and not start too hard. Did like 48 miles or whatever. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's, that's just funny. I had, to, I, had to, I had to say that. But I also understand that like in reference to some other, other times when you're doing even more, that could be considered more conservative. Um, yeah. And that was a conscious effort, huh? Right from the start was to not completely blow yourself out on day one. Yeah. And I didn't do a super great job. Like I had my friend Xander was sort of monitoring me on the live tracker and texting me things throughout the effort. And he like I I jumped from the beginning. I jumped way ahead of my paces and he kept texting me, telling me to slow down and chill out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, eventually I locked in the right pace. But yeah, first day was like 46 miles. Um, I ended up stopping at, I think the round top shelter, um, which is uh, for people who are familiar with the long trail or aren't that first, the first like 50 miles up North is, is pretty rugged, but not the most rugged part of the long trail. Um, and you're that where I stopped was sort of the end of the, of the medium difficulty stuff. And then the next morning I would just get destroyed by mansfield and whiteface <laughs> and all those mountains yeah that's a that's a tough section for sure did you sleep in any of the shelters or what was like what was your sleep system 
So or, I did or lack thereof. Uh, yeah, yeah. I this was a big debate. I was still debating on this like a week before I started the effort. Like I, I really I, again coming at it from a backpacking perspective, I really value sleep. There's a couple ways to go about sleep on these kind of efforts. One of them is just like taking really short dirt naps the whole time, and another one is taking more extended extended like really short but um but more prolonged sleep once per day and that that's how i like to do it since you know backpacking but um i was gonna bring a tent and then um my buddy bill tid talked me out of it so i ended up taking uh a, an outdoor research bivy okay. a a nemo tensor foam pad that i cut in half uh <laughs> and 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 i had a 40 degree quilt so that was fine okay I gotcha. What did you crash out in the shelter at Round Top though? Yes, to not have I was to in the bivy. I didn't. I didn't stay. I used the bivy a few nights, but the first night I was in the shelter, I didn't have to use it. Mm-hmm. Did you snap your trekking pole on day one, or was that the second day? That was morning of day two. That was when I was okay. coming down. Uh, when I was coming off of, uh, well, I don't. I don't know the mountain right before. Uh, I was coming off of Smuggler's Smuggler's Notch into the valley there, and then I, I wasn't coming up Mansfield yet, but whatever that last yeah, descent you, is. you were going down into Smuggler's Notch, I think. Yeah, yeah, Right yeah. after Sterling Pond, it must have yeah. been. Yeah. I'm telling you, I know this fucking trail, man. Um, <laughs> so, so morning, day two, you snap your trekking pole. Okay, that sounds like a big deal. Now, for a normal hiker, it probably wouldn't be that big a deal, especially in that part right there, because they'd just hike down to Smuggler's Notch, they'd hitch into Stowe, they'd be out another 100 bucks or 200 bucks, whatever, to buy a new pole, but problem solved. But for you, it would have broken the rules, my understanding, if you had gotten more gear, gotten a new piece of gear at that point, right? Well, yeah, it would have broken the rules for me to get a new piece of gear. It also would have broken the rules for me to throw away my trekking pole like technically i'm supposed to finish with everything i started with okay and so i had to like strap this broken trekking pole i was pissed i was so mad i had to strap (laughs) this broken trekking pole to my backpack and carry it the rest of the way it was so dumb (laughs) so i mean i can imagine yeah you were probably pretty pissed at that point is this are, are you pissed because of the fact that you broke your fancy trekking pole are you pissed because (laughs) oh like now it's going to be a little bit harder to finish or are you pissed because damn i don't know if i can set the record without this trekking pole is it like that drastic like um what's going through your head here yeah i mean i don't use fancy trekking poles just because like i i've always felt like uh, i don't like carbon poles because they snap a lot like i just use aluminum poles for the extra durability so that was part of the reason i was pissed kind of ironic (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> I didn't, yeah, it didn't work out so well for me, but, um, <laughs> the other thing was, yeah, I've never done one of these efforts without trekking poles. And so it was, it was, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think all was lost or anything, but I, I did think like, okay, what now are my legs going to get, are my feet and legs just going to get destroyed? Cause I don't have my trekking poles. Um, but there were a bunch of people encouraging me not to use trekking poles to begin with. And I think, in hindsight, I'm I'm not sure that it slowed me down at all. So really, I, I yeah, I because when when you get really really tired, it it actually takes quite a bit of mental energy to like find a place to place the trekking poles, especially in the ground so rooty and muddy and rocky. So I I found that you know I I didn't use the second trekking pole. I just I just put it in my bag with the other one. 
And mm-hmm. I, I found that it was actually easier to, to maneuver. So um, there's definitely a trade-off. Like you don't get as much power on the uphills for sure. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't say. But in, in the moment, I was, I was not pleased. You know, hearing you mention that and then thinking back to times, of course, I've never done anything like you did, but just times on trail on my through hikes where I'm like super tired at the end of the day, I feel like I definitely find myself a lot less inclined to be using my trekking poles. And sometimes I just end up kind of like dragging them along or just especially <laughs> on the PCT where the trails a lot chiller most of the time. Yeah. I would yeah. just not even use them. I would just hold them in one hand and, you know, I'm not even using them. So hearing you say that I'm so torn because hearing, hearing you say that makes total sense. But then at the same time, knowing the long trail, I'm like, mm-hmm. how the hell would you do that without trekking poles? You know, especially if you're <laughs> trying to go quick. Um, that seems like just a recipe for falling straight on your face. Uh, did that happen <laughs> at all during this effort? It definitely did. Uh, more times than, than I would like to count. Uh, oh really? But, but it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't terrible. I don't think it was significantly more than I, than I usually fall. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It it ended up being fine. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, you know, the through hiker in me wants my trekking poles. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Um, day two goes on. How are you feeling by the end of day two? And, and actually to even back up a little bit, how much sleep mm-hmm. did you get that first night when you were at round top? None, unfortunately, which none. I wish like I couldn't like straight up none or like I kind of snoozed a little bit. None. So I, I laid in my sleeping bag for 90 minutes and did not like could not sleep. And then I was like, all right, I'm wasting time. I'm just going to get up and keep going. Damn. But, so, I mean, I, I do think just laying down and closing your eyes helps uh, just to like get some of the strain off your eyes and let your brain quiet down a little bit. But I, I was never in and out of sleep, which was tough. <laughs> so do you know why you weren't able to fall asleep? I wonder if it was, maybe it was jitters and I just like, wasn't calmed down enough yet. Maybe it was like, you know, my, my hips were already throbbing from the mileage, but I wasn't tired enough to like make up, you know, like the pain was keeping me awake but I wasn't tired enough yet to overcome that pain. Like, I think mm-hmm. that was probably part of it too. That's so crazy. 46 miles and you still can't fall asleep, <laughs> which to be fair, if you had laid there longer, I'm sure you would have eventually. Fall yeah. Asleep. Yeah. For sure. But, and also to be fair, you were sleeping on half of a foam sleeping pad. So I guess that makes sense too. <laughs> um, incredible dude. Okay. So day two, does the lack of sleep start to catch up to you? Do the miles start to catch up to you? How are you feeling? towards the end of day two and out of those two things, which one do you think caught up to you first? Oh, well in terms of performance, the miles never really caught up to me. So it was definitely the sleep, but the, it didn't hit me on day two. I like co- going up Mansfield. I thought that I, I thought that the miles were starting to catch up to me. Like it, it didn't feel easy. I felt like I was going slow and I was like, Oh no, did I, did so I completely toast myself on day one to be it's fair? A brutal climb. It's big. Yeah. Um, but I got to the top and then Xander had sent me a text being like, you're going like you're, you were 25 minutes faster than your projections on that climb. You need to slow the hell down. Um, so it ended up being totally fine. Um, I felt really good cause I was, I was, you know, my, my projections had me beating the record by like seven hours maybe. And I was mm-hmm. a few hours even ahead of my projections. So, 
Um, that, that was a really good feeling. And plus on that second day, you get over so much of the hard stuff. Like I was over, I was over Whiteface. I was over, um, Mansfield. And then like later in the day I got over Camel's Hump and, <laughs> That's um, crazy, dude. That's <laughs> such a hard section of trail. Like just my, on my, on, on my second backpacking trip ever, I hiked from Camel's Hump to just before Mount Mansfield. And it took me granted it was my first or second trip ever but it took me like mm. four days <laughs> and, and just to hear you do that in like one day getting over mount mansfield and camel's hump in one day that's that's just insane it was brutal like ver i think that was my biggest vertical day it was it was 55 miles and eighteen thousand feet of vertical so it was <laughs> it, it was pretty silly but but being over like in my opinion that's the hardest 50 mile stretch of the of the whole trail so um, being over that stuff at the end of day two felt really good. And I, I was riding a pretty good high at the end of day two for sure. Uh-huh. Um, I know things kind of started to go downhill at some point, uh, knowing yeah. what I know about your attempts. Was that, was that on day three when the weather started to, uh, turn? So, well, I got a, I got a little bit of a thunderstorm on, uh, on day two when I was, I was over Bolton. I was descending off of Bolton down um, into that valley before Camel's Hump, um, and I got I got thunderstormed on. But the, the but it cleared like ten minutes before I got to the Alpine Zone on on Camel's Hump. Oh, so well, that's that was that's that's nice. <laughs> extremely fortunate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, day three was fine. Like good weather, no rain. Uh, problem day three was, you know, once I got over Ellen and Abraham, the trail, there's that section of trail between, um, Ellen and Abraham and route four. There's like a 30 mile section of trail in there. That's kind of just monotonous and there's really nothing in there. Yeah. I hit that as I was, so I, I, I did get three hours of sleep on night two. Um, but I, I hit that really monotonous section of trail going into the sort of like the late night on day three and my brain just started completely melting. Like I couldn't, I I've never experienced this before, but I was like falling asleep while I was walking. I was just like stumbling around. Like at one point I just like completely lost my balance and fell into a tree. I was like, not, not great. And I was like, uh, like, am I just going to bonk and, and like lose it now? So I, um, I can't remember the name of the shelter. Um, let's see the the rolston rest shelter mm-hmm. i i like made my way there and um and just called it for the night i, I it was still pretty late i think i came in there at like 1 a.m but i was struggling hard like i was i was starting to hemorrhage time off my projections and i was like i just need to sleep so uh that was that was definitely a low <laughs> yeah one thing actually some of the listeners were asking about when i told them i was going to be having you on was hallucinating like from Mm -hmm. sleep uh, lack of sleep i guess um it sounds like that's something that you experienced a a little bit maybe (laughs) on this effort so i have in the past i've i've had what are called illusions which are like there's something actually there you're just misinterpreting what it is i've never had hallucinations a bunch of my friends have had pretty fantastic hallucinations (laughs) uh but like for me it's it's when I get really tired, it's like, you know, every, every little pattern on a tree looks like a face or like, um, 
I remember like I was when I zip up my raincoat, it sounds like like my brain processes it as like a bird chirping. And then it takes me a little bit to figure <laughs> out that that's not what it is. So there's stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know, not, that sounds an awful lot like hallucinating to me, but <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> that's crazy, dude. Um, did that let up at all once it started or did it last for the rest of the effort? Uh, it's usually better during the day than once you're tired, the nights are kind of tough. Um, so I, I think I was like, I slept for three and a half hours the, the third night. And then I just laid in my sleeping bag for another half hour at the beginning of day four. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped a lot. Like I was, (laughs) I, I I did a lot better the, the last night. Um, but I don't know. The nights are tough once you start losing your mind. <laughs> yeah. How how many hours total did you sleep for on this effort? So I was probably stopped for like 13 or 14 hours. I'd say I slept for about eight, eight and a half. So you got, say, one night's rest over the course of four, three nights, four days, right? Uh the i guess five four nights five days yeah sorry four four nights yeah um (laughs) that's insane (laughs) okay okay was this was not sleeping very much a part of your strategy going into it or was it just because you had a hard time falling asleep sometimes could you just talk about the um the sleep from like a strategic standpoint because mm-hmm. i had some people asking about this as well and, and hearing you talk about it on other podcasts i kind of wanted to to hear more about this as well yeah yeah so like i was talking about before you can either take longer breaks or you can do these little dirt naps like 15 anywhere from like 15 to 30 minute dirt naps mm-hmm. i my plan so i talked to a bunch of people going in you just have to you have to minimize sleep if you want to maximize time that's just kind of the way it goes on these. And, you know, the the guy who did the five-day effort before me, he didn't sleep very much. Uh, so it's, it's just kind of what you have to do to be competitive. I think um, my plan going in was two hours the first night, three hours the subsequent two nights, and then just take dirt naps as needed the, the last night. Mm-hmm. Um I I don't know if it would have gone better if I'd been able to sleep that first night. Um, But apparently I, so I I didn't just make those numbers up. Like I talked to a bunch of very experienced people, including John Kelly before, uh, before going out there. And I think, I think that for most people on these sort of like week long efforts, it tends to be uh, three hours, an average of three hours a night on in the middle and then tapering on either end is seems to be what most people can tolerate. You, you can't tolerate much less than that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's sleep. Um, let's talk about food. I had a bunch of people asking about nutrition for something like this <laughs> and, and food. And I happen to know what you did was pretty insane. Uh, can you just... I won't even lead into it anymore, dude. Tell them about the crazy shit you did for for food and nutrition on this. Yeah, I'm a big fan on these efforts of meal replacement. So <laughs> basically, I just have this I have this powder called Infinite that I mix into my water and that's 
all I need. So it, it has like, it has protein, <laughs> it has carbs, it has salt. It's got like amino acids and caffeine and it, it has everything. Like I don't need, I, I so I brought 19, uh, no, sorry. I brought 30,000 calories of this like powder <laughs> that I just mix into my water. And then I brought like a 1500 calories worth of gels, but it was, the vast majority of what I ate was just was just powder. <laughs> Dude. Oh man. Okay. Where to even begin here? Um did you get sick of it? I know you had different flavors. Please tell me you had different flavors of the powder. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. Just, it was, okay, thank God. I, I had, mean, still I had insane, orange, but. orange, watermelon, and fruit punch. <laughs> <laughs> which one's the, which one's the best uh when, so watermelon's like the most tasty but you can get a little sick of it orange like the orange just tastes like watered down orange juice so i think it's the like the least offensive of the three mm-hmm. <laughs> so crazy dude is this something that other people do when they do efforts like this or is this something more unique to will will peterson um i will say that it is growing in popularity. I think I think I kind of lucked out and became a little bit ahead of the curve on this stuff. Like the people who do Ironmans have been doing this stuff for for years. Mm. Uh, and I think the the ultra scene is starting to catch up to liquid nutrition. Um Okay, but, interesting. But I'll say that like no one like the person who held the record before me just ate regular food. Um the yeah, a, a bunch of people eat regular food, which is fine if it works. Like, cal- uh, food on this on these kinds of things is just calories in, calories out. Like, as long as you can get the calories down, it doesn't really matter. But, um, but I've just found that that's the easiest way for me. It makes it very simple. Like, I know if I drink one liter of this stuff every wait, no, not one liter, six hundred milliliters every hour, that I'm good to go. I don't need to think about nutrition and. I don't know. It's 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 very simple. So I I highly recommend it. I know it's gross, but but it doesn't like it's gross for the first day, and then you get so like your body is craving nutrients so much that it starts to taste good, and it, it's it's bizarre. Really interesting. Um, okay, so you mentioned calories in, calories out. Let's talk about the calories out thing for a second. I had mm-hmm. people asking about shitting. Like, mm-hmm. is do you feel guilty when you stop to shit on this? Because that's like eating into <laughs> your time. Have you invented a way to like shit on the go yet? That probably wouldn't be very leave no trace, would it? Um, scratch that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. Did you even shit on this effort? I mean, I don't know if I'd be uh, able to once. shit. One shit yeah. in in so, in. Wow, dude. <laughs> I th- I think this is another part of the liquid nutrition. It's like it, there's zero fiber in it, so. You're, you're basically like everything you take in is basically getting absorbed. There's not much in there. So like I, yeah, I, I shit on day three between Ellen and Abraham. And that was the only time. Damn dude. Okay. So you're a medical student. So you probably know more about this than I would. I feel like there's gotta be like, that can't be super healthy, right? Like there's gotta be a limit to this liquid. What do you you call it? Liquid liquid uh, just like liquid nutrition liquid, uh, yeah meal replacement meal replacement i think that's what i was i was thinking of um there's got to be like a limit to this right like if you were doing a, a longer effort like 
something like the Arizona Trail, for instance, 800 mm. miles. Do you think it'd be possible to do that, do liquid the entire know. time? Although I guess actually that's kind of a dumb question because as we talked about at the beginning, that's a little bit long to really be doing an unsupported effort. So I yeah. don't know. Well, I don't know where I'm people going. People do self-supported on the Arizona Trail, which is they they'll just stash things for themselves. I've I've actually thought about the Arizona Trail and so I've thought about the Arizona Trail and I've thought about the Appalachian Trail. I think on the Arizona Trail I still would do infinite because the 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 record there is like 13 days and I think I could tolerate it for 13 days. But for something like the AT, absolutely not. You'd have to figure yeah. out a way to eat real food. I don't, I don't really know like from a nutrition perspective why you couldn't do it for a long period of time. Um, other than it doesn't have iron, uh, and it doesn't have some other vitamins. So you'd probably have to take a vitamin supplement, but yeah. Well, what about the fiber thing? So yeah, you're probably right. I mean, it depends. I I don't know. Would a month and a half without good bowel function hurt (laughs) you in the long term? It's a great question. It's a good research question. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah. Um, I don't know if you're going to be doing any research, but (laughs) something to look into. All right. So this next question was one of the biggest things that people were wondering about. And this is a little little spicy of a question. Um, I have an initial question and then I have a follow-up question, Will. Okay. My initial question was, did you have any fun on this effort at all? (laughs) You're, you're, I mean, you're, you're barely sleeping. You're, yeah, eating liquid. <laughs> You're not even eating. <laughs> this this sounds miserable. Like, did, was was there any part of this? And I'm not t- talking about type two, like you know, after yeah, the fact. Yeah. During this effort, was any part of it fun at all? So, okay. So in the lead up, like the training was a ton of fun. Doing the scouting hike, ton of fun. Like, got to pace some of my friends for their long efforts. A lot of fun. Uh, there were select moments on the actual effort that were fun. Like, uh, it was beautiful going over Mansfield. Uh, I had a couple great sunrises. The ending was, was pretty great. Um, <laughs> but, but no, like 85 to 90% of this effort was like, I wanted to quit for <laughs> the middle. I wanted to quit for the middle, like 70%. It was really quite tough. Um, so yeah, I mean, I won't sugarcoat it. It was really, really hard and a lot of it wasn't fun. So I think, and I'm sure this is something you've gotten before that you've thought about people who aren't, you know, runners themselves or interested in FKTs. They see people, uh, uh, not everybody, obviously, but a lot of people certainly, um, Hell, people even think this about through hikers sometimes. They see people mm-hmm. doing these like super fast efforts where, you know, speed, time is like super important. Obviously, you're going for a record. And they, they see that and they see you doing this on just an absolutely gorgeous trail like the long trail, like an iconic trail, the very first long distance trail in the entire country. And they're like, why you're you're passing all these beautiful areas you're miserable 85 90 percent of the time like you just said there like where's the joy in that like what's what's the purpose um i don't know dude like can you even enjoy the nature and and again i don't 
feel this way, but I know that a lot of people do. And this yeah. is something that I'm going to talk to uh, with Christian Morgan, who just set the Sobo uh, Appalachian Trail FKT when I have mm-hmm. him on soon. And, and something I think I'm going to ask pretty much every um, every ultra runner I get on the show. Um, where's the joy in, in something like this? And, and do you ever feel bad that like you're missing out on like a beautiful trail and you're kind of just miserable the whole time? Sure. That's a super fair question. I think so with everything I've done, like, you know, I've done three speed records. I spent a lot of time really getting to know the white mountains before I did any sort of speed thing on the 48. And I did spend a lot of time on the long trail. You know, I did a full through hike at, at what for me is like a, a pretty, a pretty leisurely pace to, you know, really get to know the trail and, um, get to spend time in the communities around the trail. Um, so there's that aspect of it that like, I, you know, I, I share some of the sentiment, not, not really coming from an athletic background. I share a lot of the sentiment of, I want to enjoy the outdoors and I want to, you know, I want to have time to stop and smell the roses when, when I want to do that. Um, but I also think there's a, there's a part of me at least that really feels like I grow a lot as a person every time I do one of these things that sort of pushes me beyond what I thought my capacity is. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just think, you know, we obviously we do these things for we do, you know, we go into the outdoors, most of us for for the enjoyment um, but it, it, a lot of it is also for growth, I think. And, um, I, I don't think that, I don't think that the things that make people grow the most are usually the most easy. And, and I think that's the same with through hiking. Like, even if you through hike at the most leisurely pace possible, you're going to be miserable and bored for a good big chunk of that through hike. That's I really know point. this firsthand. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's yeah i just i just think that am, am i taking it to the extreme possibly you know it, i could i could i have just hiked the long trail this summer uh and called it good after that and still gotten a lot of growth personally from that experience absolutely but i love pushing myself i do love the competition i think anyone that says they just do these speed efforts for the for you know the love of the outdoors and like to find personal growth like i think they're fooling themselves to some extent or they're lying like i do think anyone who does this stuff likes the competition and and there's nothing wrong with that i don't think um but so i I think it's a combination of those few things yeah Um, i don't know if that's a good answer but no i think that's a really good answer man um yeah when people say this stuff again i've have not and will never set an fkt but um I can see like some parallels. <laughs> They're not the same thing, but you know, I've had a lot of hard days on trail where it's not fun. You're kind of like you just said there, even on a normal through hike, like a lot of it, you're going to be miserable um, regardless of whether you're going for some record or not. And, you know, I've had a lot of days like that, certainly. And on the, in those days, like I'm not enjoying anything. I'm not enjoying the nature. I'm not enjoying the scenery. I had a lot of days like this on the PCT, and like I look back at like some of my pictures and my videos going through like parts of Washington State, for instance, where things really kind of start to fall apart on my mm-hmm. PCT hike. Like I'm like, this is insane. Like objectively, just like some of the most beautiful stuff. And like 
I don't have any memories of that. I just have memories of how I was, you know, not having the best, best of time. And so I don't know. I really resonate with that. And I just think that there's, there's different ways that people can experience the mountains. And I think that when people say like, Oh, like, you know, you're not taking time to, to smell the roses is always the classic um, example people use. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, man, I think there's more to it than, than just that. Like, I think everyone has their own reasons and I don't think there is like a, a one objectively correct reason for people to go out there and, and, you know, and, and be in the mountains. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't like it when people say that stuff, although I do think it is kind of understandable, especially in terms of like these extreme like FKTs and stuff. I, I do think it's a fair question. Um, and so I wanted to get your perspective on that. And I think you're especially a unique person to, to talk about this because your background, as you've mentioned a few times, is that of a backpacker and a through hiker, not necessarily someone who's just been a runner their whole lives, you know? Yeah, for sure. And if I can add a couple more things, I think from, from an athletic perspective, I think that I, you know, sort of dipping my toes into the, into the ultra distant scene, I have seen that people who come from a backpacking background oftentimes have a bigger mental well to draw from and more logistical experience to deal with problems. Hmm. Um, So just like, you know, like gear malfunctions or things not going your way, like when you're through hiking and something goes wrong, you can't just bail and try again tomorrow. You have to figure it out or you're not going to get to the next town, you know? So I... like I think there's a lot of value to be gained from from through hiking and I also think that taking completely completely outside of athletics or backpacking or the outdoors I think that voluntarily subjecting yourself to things that are hard and uncomfortable you know obviously to an ex- like you don't want to permanently hurt yourself but of course to to a to a large extent I think that voluntarily um doing things that are uncomfortable and coming out the other side, I think makes you stronger. And I personally, I think like both with backpacking and ultra running, I think it's made me a stronger person in terms of, you know, my relationships and being able to like figure, figure things out and deal with discomfort or like working, you know, working hard in, in school and, you know, med school, med school hasn't been easy, but it's like, uh, it's, it, it builds a, a mental, a mental well that you can draw from. And I think, I think there's a lot of value to, to be drawn from that, whether you're a through hiker or a day hiker or an ultra runner. I, I think it's the same principle, just sort of on a sliding scale. Yeah. That's a really good point, dude. I, that's, that's a point I kind of overlooked when I was going on my little spiel there too. Like there's the whole aspect beyond just the outdoors, um, the personal, the personal aspect to it, which I think is super important and super valid. So, um, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Where where do you see yourself going next in terms of this stuff? You've obviously got a knack for it. You've, you're already mm-hmm. starting to make a, a name for yourself. Uh, that might even be an understatement at this point. Um, you might be sick of people asking this, Will, but it's an important question, so I got to ask um, Yeah, what what's next. And more specifically, I wanted to ask if you ever see yourself going for the Appalachian Trail uh, FKT because you've done it. Uh, the, sorry. Because you've done the AT already, as we've established. Yeah. 
and uh, you certainly, I don't know, you seem like a prime candidate for it based on everything I've sure. heard today. So in terms of what's next immediately, I'm I'm going into, at the end of this year, I'll be entering my third year of med school, which is the the traditionally the gnarliest of the three. And I just don't have time next year to do a multi-day effort. So I'm looking at a couple of, possibly a couple of hundred milers in the next year, like um, the, the, the hundred mile wilderness really interests me. The, the white mountains 100 is a, is a cool route that I'm sort of poking around at, but uh, I really don't know. Uh, white's 100. It's like the hundred miles of AT from, uh, the South end of Musalak to Gorham. Oh, cool. It's such a gnarly hundred miler. It's really cool. (laughs) Um, but, but also like neither of those have really excited me yet. I'm just sort of sitting on my hands waiting for something to to excite me. Mm-hmm. In terms of the AT, I have thought about this quite a bit. If I went after it, I'm what Christian did is awesome. I I wouldn't do the AT supported. It's just not really my my vibe. Like if I were gonna do the AT, I would I would do it in like a through hiker style, which is the self supported. Okay. Um I don't no, I don't know. It's from a from a health perspective, I just can't wrap my head around that being good for you. Like Yeah, it probably like, isn't. <laughs> you know, like a like a five day in your body's pretty good at respond about like rebounding back from from short insults, like a five day thing. Your the amount of stress you're putting your body under for a month and a half to do the AT like so many and i and i've heard horror stories of like people who do these really really long efforts just having a ton of health problems oh really uh later on various things and it's not everyone for sure like there are plenty of people who are perfectly healthy after doing this stuff but Mm. it scares me a little bit so i uh i don't know i'd have to i'd have to feel a lot more comfortable with it before i ever uh ever poked my toes into something longer than like a thousand miles yeah fair enough man um damn horror stories about that stuff yeah i i don't know much about this obviously i do know that through hiking those long trails even at a normal pace it seems like that can't be super great for your body either maybe not to the (laughs) same extreme as what we're talking about here but Mm -hmm. i don't know dude like um i wonder if this is something that i wonder if this is a worry that you would have had if you weren't in med school or if this is your, your profession also, um, I don't know, coming out a little bit <laughs> and kind of mixing with this, this passion that yeah. you have for, for, uh, for these efforts. I don't know, but I wouldn't blame you at all if, if that would be a little bit too risky in, in your, uh, in your view. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It's a long life. It is, man. It is. Okay. Well, so we're getting towards the end of the episode here. Now for everyone listening, I, oh no, I did remember to tell you. I, I, I forgot that <laughs> I did remember to tell Will that he needs to have a story for the end of the episode. I don't know what the story is. I don't even know what adventure is. Is it from the long trails or for, is it from something else? So this is from uh, when I was pacing Bill Tidd on his New Hampshire 48 record. Okay. All right, man. Let's... uh. This Bill Tidd guy, I gotta, I gotta look into this guy. Um, yeah, he's a monster. Let's hear it. 
so I was I paced him for a bunch of it. So to set the scene a little bit, I um I just paced Bill through the presidentials, and he went off and did the the Wildcats, which are another range of really hard mountains in New Hampshire in the Whites. Uh, so he went and did those while I went and slept. Uh, so that I could get ready to pace him for the next section, which was Wombeck and Cabot, which are these two mountains, really northern New Hampshire, very remote. Uh, and they were both going to be in the middle of the night. Um, so the plan was for him to get to Cabot at about uh, about 1230 or 1 a.m. And I was going to bring him through uh, through Cabot. Uh, so I his crew is all with him on Wildcat. And I went up ahead to Cabot by myself. Um, the gate on the on that road leading up to Cabot was closed, which we knew was going to happen. We had a car on the other side. Um, but so I was, I was just sitting there. It was a beautiful night waiting there for, for them to show up. I don't have any cell coverage, so I'm just kind of, you know, sitting around waiting. And I see some headlights starting to come down the road. And I'm like, oh, that's that's got to be them. But it seems kind of early to be them. Like, what's what's going on here? I mean, it's, it's still like midnight. So I mm-hmm. I don't really know, you know, what's happening. As it gets closer, I can see that it's this like maybe 1950s pickup truck that's like super rusted out, like very janky looking. <laughs> and it pulls up like right in front of me with their high beams on. And then this dude hops out, who I can't see because he's just silhouetted by the by the high beams of this truck, and just starts like walking fastly towards me. I'm like, shit, I'm gonna die in the woods up by Mount Cabot alone. <laughs> yeah. And and this guy uh, again looks like looks like your classic like classic hippie. You know, he's got he's got like tattered clothes on, big beard, long hair. And ended up being very nice. He was like, hey, I'm here for the rainbow gathering. Oh, oh, and, I, uh, and my dumbass had never heard of the rainbow gathering before. So I was like, what the hell are you talking about? And <laughs> like, there's no way he was talking about like, there's there's like 10, 20,000 people. And I'm trying to find <laughs> them up here. I'm like, there's like, we're in northern New Hampshire, dude. What are you talking about? Like on a dead end dirt road. Uh, and so he, the, the gate was actually unlocked. So he ended up just like opening the gate and driving down the road into, into the oblivion towards Mount Cabot. And I was like, I have no idea what just happened. Like, am I okay? Was, was that my brain melting? Uh, and like, where's he going? Like he's now towards Mount Cabot somewhere. And like me and Bill have to go down there. And I, Again, I don't know what the rainbow gathering is. I think this is just a crazy person. Yeah. Um, So Bill shows up. I tell his crew about this encounter and they were all like, you're definitely hallucinating. That didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) So So, so they didn't know about it either? No, no one had any. Well, I also didn't really know what like. I, I misheard what he said. So whatever I told to them was not the rainbow gathering. It was like, he's looking for some sort of festival uh, okay. like or maybe it's a music thing. And they were like, I, we have no idea what we're talking about. So, so we end up going down he's looking to for Cabot. A music festival in the middle of the fucking remote ass <laughs> Northern New Hampshire mountains. That's so funny. Yeah, at, dude, at I midnight. thought I was about to get so funny, dude. 
I thought I was about to get axe murdered. But anyway, <laughs> Bill and I went down to Cabot. We didn't see him anywhere. Uh, and so we just went. And eventually, the, the his crew was waiting down at the bottom of Cabot. And he ended up driving back by them and stopped to ask them where the rainbow gathering was. And so I was vindicated. They oh. they were like, oh, yeah, you didn't make it up. You weren't hallucinating. He was actually a person that exists. So uh, that was that. You know, it's a it's a. It was a scary five seconds in my life, but ended up being fine. And now I know about the Rainbow Gathering. Yeah. So I was I was living in New Hampshire when all this was happening. And so I remember hearing about this too. And I actually read about it on the news because they were like, yeah, like, I think it said like up to 5,000 people expected for this Rainbow Gathering. And they were up, yeah, I guess it was up near, near Mount Cabot. It was like northern part of the Whites. And I was like, What? And I, I don't know a ton about this this thing, but I guess it's like an annual thing where they go to go to a national forest somewhere. Usually it's out west, I think, but for some reason they chose New Hampshire this year. And yeah, like thousands of people show up and they just like camp and smoke weed for like a week or whatever, I guess. And and so I remember reading about this on the news and they were like, it's going to be this big deal. And I was living right up near uh, Crawford Notch. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. shit, is, is there going to be like a bunch of traffic? And I don't really remember noticing anything, but um, that is so funny. Either. As soon as you said the guy asking about the Rainbow Gathering, I was like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about. Here. That <laughs> is so good, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, one more interesting, quick little anecdote story before Will goes here. This was told on, I think, probably the first time you were on the show, but that's it's been many years since then. Um, Will and... My mother, no, I'm on my A game. I'm too, I'm, I've been doing too many podcasts. Um, Will's mother and my mother went to high school together in Presque Isle. And not only that, if you're a fan of, I guess you'd call them metalcore music, <laughs> I don't really know. I don't listen to this band, but anyways, um, if you've ever heard of the band Spirit Box, they are a pretty big band. I think they got nominated for a for a Grammy or something like that. Um, like a million plus monthly listeners on Spotify. Like big band, Spirit Box. Will's mom and my mom also went to high school with the mom of Courtney LaPlante, who's the lead singer of Spirit Box, which is, I think is just funny that in the same small town... <laughs> You know, this is Presque Isle, Maine. This is bumfuck, like small ass town high school. <laughs> you know, in in a, the most random part of the country, three moms with with kids that ended up going on to do like somewhat noteworthy things. I think you know she's probably the most famous out of the three of us, but <laughs> by a long shot, to be fair. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I got like thirteen thousand followers on Instagram. That's pretty good. And, and Will and Will's Will's gonna have many more than that in time. So. I don't know. I just think that's kind of funny that like the three of them all went to high school together. But um, that's yeah, the mom's story. It's a, it's a star-studded high school class. It's it good is, stuff. dude. It is. Um, yeah. With that said, well, dude, thank you so much for coming on today. Where can people go follow you or plug anything you want to plug? Or yeah, dude, where can people go uh, check you out? Sure. I'm not a big social media guy. I'll post on Instagram like four times a year. But that's He's got a uh, podcast. Under- go go listen to his oh, podcast right. too. 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, Instagram's underscore Will Peterson. The podcast is called From the Backcountry. Uh, if you're interested in this long distance stuff, I I interview uh, a different person from basically the ultra distance scene uh, every other week. And Not always. It's a good time. Not always. Every other week, I've been slacking. <laughs> You've, oh, not always well, long distance too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yours truly was on there. Yeah, which was yep. really fun and I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so I'll have a link to his Instagram and his uh, podcast in the show notes and description. Everyone should go listen. Um, so I kind of cut you off there. Was there anything else you wanted to plug or are you good, Will? <sighs> I'm on Strava. If you want to follow me, go for oh, it. Shit. I also don't post on Strava. <laughs> <laughs> well... Don't go follow him on Strava then. Um, also, if you do, you'll probably feel embarrassed when he does post because this guy's insane. Um, it's been sick like getting to talk to you, Will. Uh, we'll get a chance to meet. Hopefully, our next episode together will be in person and hopefully my uh, brain will be functioning a little bit better. Um, thank you, dude. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if this was my best work, but um, Will is super sick and I'm glad he came on. And if you appreciate this podcast, if you listen a lot and you're watching on YouTube, certainly then you got to do one of two things. First of all, you got to subscribe to the channel. Let's pump those numbers up. And second of all, if you're listening, you made it to the end. Come on, a five-star review. Normally I say this very confidently. I'm like, leave a five-star review. I don't know about this one, but uh, I'm still going to do it. Fuck it. Leave a five-star review for the show if you like it. Yeah, if you're listening to multiple episodes and you, you're listening to the end like this, please do it. It helps a lot. And um, I really appreciate it. I read, appreciate it. I read all of them. That's going to do it, everybody. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll see you next week. <laughs>